Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman and I am joined by James Diamond. Hello. Hello and Hughes. Hello. Uh, no new releases to review this week, but we have got Triple Bill for you. Um, looking at three films of our own selection coming up this summer, as well as what we've been watching, uh, the quiz and a bit of news for you. Um, and we'll start off with the quiz, where it's currently poised one all. After my first round victory, I know two uh, stunning victories. So it's, yeah, that's it's a battle for the ages. I'm I'm excited now. We're both clearly gonna fumble into the equivalent of the one yard tap in this week <laughs> as Owen reveals like the Oscar winners actually most famous film or something like that but we've started off well steve yeah i've tried to make this one a bit more difficult because you seem to get the other ones quite quickly okay, so Ooh, okay. It, it's difficult in the sense that i don't think it'll be obvious but we'll see okay we'll see okay well all right i'll start so in 1973 they narrated the year 101 steve. okay and i don't expect anyone to get it from that but go ahead steve steve's going for one danny trejo Trejo, the nineteen seventy three. No, I think he was in no, prison. My, my wasn't he? he is. He's in everything at the moment. He does <laughs> everything. Okay. So yeah. my first guess every week is going to be him, because I'm yeah. able to get it one week. Okay, I see. I'll see what you're doing now. I'll see what you're doing. I'm going to guess Charlton Heston. No. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. Good guess for the year, but no. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm jumping way ahead now to Ooh. year two thousand. Whoa! Yeah, and they were in The Adventures of Cinderella's Daughter. Okay. Do you know what? I bet Callum would have got this. <laughs> you reckon? I reckon yeah, he would have got probably. this. Um, in 2004, they were in The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. James? Yeah. Julie Andrews? No. Oh, damn it. Okay. Okay. You having a guess, Steve? Uh, no. No, okay. Probably not Danny Trejo, is it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, right. is my my, re- my logic is sound. Yes. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, so going back to 1995, this is where it gets a bit easier now, I think. Uh, Mole Rats, the Kevin Smith film Mole Rats. <sighs> okay. Uh, James, uh, Ben Affleck. No, of course it's not. 73 <laughs> interruption. Of course it's fucking it's not. not. It's not Ben Affleck, no. No. Uh, you having another guess, Steve? God damn it, God damn it. No, what the hell was that noise? That was my public going off. Oh, okay, all right, okay. I thought Steve was cheating. No, don't cheat, not you. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, going to add Bane for a guess. Yeah. 
no, okay. Right, well, I'll move on. Shit, <laughs> oh, I know oh, I know who's in more routes. This is annoying me now. Yeah. 2003, they were in Hulk. And in 2008, they were in The Incredible Hulk. <sighs> God. No, I'm struggling. Steve. Yeah. No, no, it's not him. Don't worry. Okay. James, Lou Ferrigno. No. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, this is just a little bit of a curveball, I guess, but they've been in loads okay. of TV series, like absolutely yeah. loads. So everything from The Simpsons to The Big Bang Theory and Heroes. James. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell. It's not Malcolm McDowell. Damn it. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman and I am joined by James Diamond. Hello. Hello and Hughes. Hello. Uh, no new releases to review this week, but we have got Triple Bill for you. Um, looking at three films of our own selection coming up this summer, as well as what we've been watching, uh, the quiz and a bit of news for you. Um, and we'll start off with the quiz, where it's currently poised one all. After my first round victory, I know two uh, stunning victories. So it's, you know that's it's a battle for the ages. I'm I'm excited now. We're both clearly gonna fumble into the equivalent of the one yard tap in this week <laughs> as Owen reveals like the Oscar winners actually most famous film or something like that but we've started off well steve yeah i've tried to make this one a bit more difficult because you seem to get the other ones quite quickly okay, so Ooh, okay. It, it's difficult in the sense that i don't think it'll be obvious but we'll see okay we'll see okay well all right i'll start so in 1973 Ooh. they narrated the year 101 steve. okay and i don't expect anyone to get it from that but go ahead steve steve's going for one danny treasure is it Trejo? Trejo, the nineteen seventy-three. No, I think he was in prison. He is. He's in everything at the moment. He does everything. So my first guess every week is going to be him, because I'm able to get it one week. Okay, I see. I'll see what you're doing now. I'll see what you're doing. I'm going to guess Charlton Heston. No. Okay. Okay. Good guess for the year, but no. Okay. So I'm jumping way ahead now to year two thousand. Whoa! Yeah, and they were in The Adventures of Cinderella's Daughter. Okay. You already didn't Do you know what? I bet Callum would have got this. <laughs> you reckon? I reckon yeah, he would have got probably. this. Um, in 2004, they were in The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. James? Yeah. Julie Andrews? No. Oh, damn it. Okay. Okay. You having a guess, Steve? Uh, no. No, okay. Probably not Danny Trejo, is it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, right. my, my, re- my logic is sound. Yes. Okay, <laughs> fine. Okay, so going back to 1995, this is where it gets a bit easier now, I think. Uh, Mall Rats. The Kevin Smith film, Mall Rats. <gasps> okay. 
Uh, James, uh, Ben Affleck. No, of course it's not. 73. <laughs> of course it's fucking it's not. not. It's not Ben Affleck, no. No. Uh, you having another guess, Steve? God damn it, god damn it. No, what the hell was that noise? That was my tablet going off. Oh, okay, all oh, right, okay. I thought Steve was cheating. No, don't cheat, like you. Uh, I'm, oh. I'm going to ask Dave for a guess. Yeah. No, okay. Right, well, I'll move on. <laughs> Shit, I know, oh, I know who's in more rats. This is annoying me now. Yeah. 2003, they were in Hulk. And in 2008, they were in The Incredible Hulk. <sighs> God. No, I'm struggling. Yeah. No, no, it's not him. Don't worry. Okay. James, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> no. Okay. So, um, okay, this is just a little bit of a curveball, I guess, but they've been in loads okay. of TV series, like absolutely yeah. loads. So everything from The Simpsons to The Big Bang Theory and Heroes. James. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell. It's not Malcolm McDowell. Damn it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, what's his name? The um, Will Wheaton. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> was he even born in 1973? I don't know. Everyone, okay. Everyone's been a child and there's child actors. So sound logic once again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, n- crucially, not right. So okay. we'll move on. Um, I knew this would be a fumbled one. This is, this is going to give it away quite clearly now. Uh, they were also in Spider-Man 1, 2 and 3. James. Yes. Bruce Campbell. It's not Bruce Campbell. Damn it. <laughs> No? Still no one? Steve? Hang on. Oh, Jesus. Oh, who's in Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3? Other than obviously not Tobey Maguire, because he's not been in the Big Bang Theory. I'll, 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 I'll have another guess in a minute. I'll, I'll, okay. I don't know. It's odd. No? No guesses? Okay. They were also in X-Men 1, 2, and 3. James? Yeah. Uh, Stanley. It is Stanley, yes. <laughs> well, that's not even an actor, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's credited as a role in those films, so he's. Oh, I like it, curveball. Yeah, I like it because I won. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in Steve's position, yeah, I'd probably be moaning about the accuracy of it, but I don't care too much. They all count. They all count. He has been in films as actors, you know, all the yes. cameos, I guess. But that, that that narration role was quite. Oh, I didn't realise that. That's that's a bizarre one. Yeah. I've got just as much of. A, a claim to be a, a stage actor because I was in the fucking nativity. <laughs> well, is the, has the nativity got a, a listing on IMDb? Not the one I was in. No, no, exactly. <laughs> no. I don't care. Two one. Wow. Well, yeah. Anybody yes. can edit, edit Wikipedia, so I might be on there by the end of the night. Yeah. <laughs> I thought someone might have got it from Mallrats because he was his cameo in that was quite a big cameo. I, yeah, I was desperately trying to think of who the the kind of like older men in more rats, yeah. Well, apart from, you know, yeah, well, the 1973 thing was there just That's to show it. you he's yeah. old, yeah. and the 2004 and onwards was like, yeah, he's still around, it's not, yeah, no, it's clever, yeah. But no, I, I, I was going with Steve's thing, I thought he was young in 73, and therefore, yeah, yeah. but no, it's been an interesting one. And I bet every listener at home has been shouting at us, going, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah. let, let's move on from this debacle of quizzing. <laughs> And not bitter at all. No, no. definitely not. 
<laughs> and, and move on to, to, to news. Um, one bit of news, really. Um, more just, you know, being nice and promoting the people who invited me to something, which James mm. has done very well. James is not the only person who gets invited to, to things on the podcast. No, I was, believe it or not. I was invited uh, on behalf of ourselves and Born Offside to a press screening of an upcoming documentary called Next Goal Wins, which is about the American Samoan national football team. At the time of making the documentary, they were the worst team in the world. I think don't think they've scored a, a competitive goal. Uh, obviously, bottom of FIFA's world rankings. And they had suffered the worst defeat in competitive international football history, losing 31-0 to Australia in about 2001. And it's uh, a documentary about them trying to get their first win or even first goal, and about some of the people in the, you know, some of the characters in the team and the coach. Can't say too much. I'm under an embargo. We'll obviously be getting a full review on the podcast and on both failed critics and born offside. When the embargo is lifted, the documentary is also getting a release towards the end of April, beginning of May, in time, in time for the World Cup, and hopefully we'll be having an interview on here with one if not both of the directors of the documentary um and, it, and it's i will say because obviously i can't say too much but even if you don't like football and there will be some people who listen to this who don't like football it, it is it's got something you know it transcends football there's more there's more to it than just football mm. I, I, i've seen the trailer and um it's right up my street, definitely. And I think a couple of our listeners have said that as well. Yeah, it looks brilliant, doesn't it, from the trailer? I mean, they make yeah, it so look so we, really Me and Owen aren't under embargo because we've not seen it. And all I will say is, yeah, it looks it looks fascinating. And it looks like, as every great sporting documentary, it looks like it's got some really interesting characters in there. And who doesn't love cheering on underdogs? So exactly. I'm, I'm really excited about seeing it at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is it is brilliant. Um and obviously, come with the World Cup coming up, a good juxtaposition of of the World Cups. Obviously, going to be the best teams in the world, the best players in the world. This is very much the bottom teams in the world. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can't see too much, say too much, but in the trailer, you see them trying to dribble around cones, and I can dribble around yeah. cones better than that. I know. I, I I always wished. Part of me always wished I was born in like some country which is terrible at football to maybe give me the chance of international <laughs> football. I've always had that dream. Like if I'd been born somewhere like that, God, I, maybe I could be an international striker. That'd be amazing. But um, did, yeah, did I, we review I, the 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 documentary of uh, Storyville on here? I can't I remember. You, no. I think you did, but I've not seen it yet. I think you mentioned. Did it, I mention but I'm not it? Sure you gave it a full yeah. review. Yeah. I think in preparation for for this uh, next goal yeah. wins documentary the, the the documentary that bbc have shown on storyville uh coach zoran and his african tigers which is about a guy who is football coach he used to manage teams like bangladesh and that kind of thing he then goes on to manage the south sudan football team mm-hmm. and that is a fascinating documentary as well yeah. i think is it still on story is it still on iPlayer? do you know i think it's is- still on iPlayer. yeah yeah okay I'll, I'll definitely check that it sounds interesting because i've heard you talk about that it's yeah it's really really entertaining yeah, the guy is just incredible. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, next next goal win. So you can check the trailer out now, and they're on Twitter as well promoting. So you better find out the definite release date from there, and um, we'll be getting the full review when I can. Um, that's all for the first part. In the second part, we'll be back with what we've been watching. 
So what we've been watching when we take a look at the films um, we've watched over the last week or so that weren't new releases. Uh, so, Owen, why don't you kick us off? Shall I kick us off? Okay. Um, I'm going to very quickly start off by mentioning um, a sort of challenge that I've been involved with on Twitter with a guy who listens to the podcast quite regularly called Paul at P-A-F-S-T-E-R, Pathster, I guess you'd pronounce it, on Twitter, where he sent me his three worst DVDs and I sent him mine. So I think I came out of it quite well. He sent me No Country for Old Men, which I was really chuffed about. I really like that film. I don't see how oh, that could be. Yeah, so that was good. Um, so I got that out of it, but I also watched American Psycho 2 because of it, and the documentary, which is about two hours long on Venice Pushkas, which was really just quite dry and dull, and it was all in Russian with subtitles, and it was just really kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, I can see why he sent me it. He sent me it oh. unopened, so... But I think I had the last laugh because I sent him Corpse Bride on Blu-ray, I sent him uh, a film called Monkey Magic, the movie. I like, I like the TV series, but the film is terrible. Mm. And um, I, I sent him another one called Mystery Men, which I don't know if either of you two have seen. I've seen it. I was rather underwhelmed that by it. that one with Kellen in it from Keenan and Kel? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen and it's Ben Stiller and yeah, all them lot. Janine Garofalo and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there was one that I kind of, I liked the premise of, but the film really underwhelmed exactly. me. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it's like. It's just a really... Just it, it just shouldn't be funny, and it isn't. That's <laughs> just what yeah, it's like. Yeah. Um, so I think I came out of that quite well. But you know, I'm happy if anyone else wants to try and take up this uh, this challenge. I'm sure we can. Sort I, I would I would happily get involved with this, but I slimmed down my DVDs, so I, I, I tend not to keep bad ones. But I'm tempted. Mm. Next time I go into a, I've, uh, there's a, a Poundland near me, which has got loads of DVDs for a pound each, and like I've seen the case and thought, oh my god, there's some there's some weirdly bad <laughs> films in so i'm tempted to just buy three films from poundland and send them instead uh so i might i may well do that this mm, week mm. yeah but like i say if anyone wants to get involved with it we could probably sort some tweet us yeah we'll come up with some kind of hashtag before the end of it we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll make it uh it will become a thing and we'll be able to sell it for, thing, Facebook yeah. for 19 billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, uh, but anyway, I, I mean, those aren't the films that I wanted to review. What I want to talk about is a Korean film uh, called Mother, partly because uh, it's Mother's Day, of course, coming up on Sunday. Yes. So it kind of ties in, but that's not the reason I watched it. The reason I watched it is because it's by, uh, by a director called uh, Bong Joon-ho, who uh, I've talked about a couple of his films before in the past, The Host and Memories of a Murder. Mm. But he's probably quite famous at the moment for having a kind of standoff war with... Uh, the Weinsteins about the um, release of his film Snowpiercer, which is his first English language film, which is still a Korean film starring Chris Evans and some other people as well. It's got uh, who else was in it? Anyway, no, never mind. John Hurt. John Hurt. Yes. Yeah, so Snowpiercer is this massive. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, it's this massive um, sci-fi film which has got a lot of. It's got a bit of a cult following already just because of the kind of surrounding the, the, the problems about the distribution of it. Because it's not even got a UK release date or a US release date even. But you, I've pre-ordered the Blu-ray from France. That's how ridiculous it is. You know, I'm getting the Blu-ray yeah. from France next week, but I can't see this film anywhere in the UK. 
but a lot of people seem to have been watching it recently. I think it must have been made available through other means online quite recently. All those cheating Yeah, stuff. so um, lots of people seem to have watched it, which kind of prompted me then to go back and watch uh, Mother, because I've had the DVD sitting on my shelf for a while. Um, it's essentially the story of a, uh, a mom, obviously, and her son, who is accused of murder. But he's got some kind of, there's something mentally quite wrong with him you know he's not he's not all all there um mm. so he's sent to prison for this murder because the police just want to kind of wrap up the case as quickly as possible but she's convinced of his innocence and she sets out to prove he's innocent and that he didn't kill this young girl um so yeah i mean it's it's been reviewed quite a lot online if you look for it it's quite a popular film it is similar to memories of a murder which is uh bong's other film which in in the sense that it's quite a, a, a slow moving crime drama you know you've got the, the procedural side to it where the case is being investigated but also you've got the the human side to it where it, in differently to memories of a murder where that's mostly um i keep calling it memories of a murder it's memories of murder i'll stop doing that but, but that's mainly like a procedural it shows you the police and they're investigating the case this is about the innocent woman who's trying to um, find her own form of justice and it's just it's brilliantly acted i have to say um kim Haija, i think that's how you pronounce her name she plays the mother and she's just tremendous i mean the lengths that she goes her character goes to try and prove her son's innocence is quite moving anyway um but it's more about the kind of intensity of her role um i i mentioned a film before as well called poetry uh, which has an actress called Ying Jung Hai, and she was brilliant. But she plays a much more she plays a mother whose son is involved in a kind of crime, and she plays it in a more naturalistic way. And it's all about her dealing with um, dealing with uh, the onset of Alzheimer's uh, and all the other things that are going on around her grandson's case. And there's also a film I reviewed on here as well, which is also Korean called Pieta, which deals with a Another form of mother who's called Joe Mins, who's played by an actress called Joe Minsu. And but she's a very extreme performance where she's um, like it's almost a revenge thriller, Peter. But she, this role in Mother, it's very much in between. So you've got a nice contrast to these three films if you wanted to watch them all back to back on Mother's Day. Why not? It's kind of a theme of those films. Um, where you she plays it a, lot, a bit more reserved than the all out craziness of Pieta. But it's still quite um, quite a charismatic role, a more charismatic performance than than perhaps what what you've got in poetry. So it's it's quite good. But um, as for the the director Bong Joon Ho, he's he's quite a famous director in Korea anyway because of the films that he's released. I mean, The Host is one of the most um, you know it's one of the most high returns on a film they've had in Korea, and it's quite a cult film over over here in in the West as well. But I would say it's probably just a bit better than the host. Maybe not so good as Memories of Murder. Um, but then, you know, Memories of Murder is just a fucking fantastic film. So mm. it's not a bad film in any, by any means. It's actually really, actually very entertaining. So, yeah, Mother is, is great. If you like those sort of crime, um, bit psychological dramas, and there's a bit of mystery to it, which it does get resolved towards the end. You haven't got this ridiculous ambiguous ending you sometimes get. It's, it's quite clear cut. So, yeah, Mother, brilliant film. Excellent. Um, James, yourself? Yeah, I've 
for a variety of reasons. Not actually had a chance to see any films in the cinema this week um, or pretty much anything at home. So I'm, I, I watched a short film earlier because that's how lazy I'm getting. I watched a 12-minute film to review uh, for the podcast. And the film I watched, was it's called My Wrongs. 8,245 to 8,249 and 117. And it is a uh, a Chris Morris short film. And I just want to have a quick chat. The reason I watched it is because uh, I've been watching Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, uh, season three. Oh, and you're a Stuart Lee fan, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Have you been watching the Comedy Vehicle? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Of course. And um, last, last uh, series, the kind of, the critical interviewer, uh, the antagonist interviewer, was uh, portrayed by Amanda Inucci. And this season, it's Chris Morris. And it was just like, I've just been watching, and oh my God, Chris Morris is back on television. And Chris Morris is as brilliant as ever. And oh my God, isn't Chris Morris uh, an utter genius? And we've spoken about four lines on here. His, his solo, his single um, feature film uh, director but uh, his short film which won the BAFTA for best short film back in 2003 My Wrongs is actually it's, I watched it and it's utterly brilliant um, and did, have you ever seen Jam uh, the Chris Morris kind of very surreal sketch show uh, based on his radio series Blue Jam it was on Channel 4 very very bizarre he also had such power at Channel 4 that they ran it without adverts because he demanded they run it without adverts so they did uh, which is still just utterly brilliant and it had Julia Davis and uh, Kevin Eldon and people like that in. and this is based on a sketch from that it's a 12 minute film and it stars Paddy Con- uh, Considine um in a really, really, it, he well, he's, he's 11 years younger and he looks very, very different in 2003. He plays um, a, a guy and the man is his is his name and he's looking after a friend's Doberman called Rothko, uh, who is voiced by Chris Morris and the dog starts talking to him and convinces him that he's on trial for everything he's ever done wrong in his life. And that this dog is his lawyer. And there's a very bizarre, surreal sense of humour as the dog is making him do things wrong and then go, wow, why did you do that? And it's it's um, it's a wonderful, just short bit of brilliant surrealist humour, actually, if, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, and you actually see where Chris Morris's directorial style came from, because he obviously co-created and uh, directed nathan barley with charlie brooker um which i I never got nathan barley the first time round, um and i think that's because i didn't live in london at the time so i didn't know what hipster bastards were (laughs) and kind of like in the years since i've gone all right i get that now um yeah and obviously chris morris did the day-to-day and did brass eye but this is a really really interesting short film it's available on youtube Uh, i've got it on dvd but it's available on youtube and it's full length and I, I would just recommend if you've got 12 minutes free in your day, watch this film because it's incredibly funny. It really, really made me laugh. There's also uh, a couple of people that you have kind of seen in British comedy. There's Michael from uh, I'm Alan Partridge um, playing a posh man like he does in everything else apart from in I'm Alan Partridge, <laughs> which I always find really weird. There's um, from the last few series at the thick of it, you know, Peter Mannion's kind of nerdy spad um posh guy i can't remember his, will hodgson i think his name is oh, yeah. is that right yeah uh, yeah he's in it um there's a few lovely little moments and uh, it's a really great p- 
performance from uh, Considine as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, sometimes it's just quite nice to go and watch a short film because they finish quickly. But this was more than that. This was a really, really nice short film. Very funny, um, very interesting. And basically, I just wanted to talk about Chris Morris for a little bit because genuinely, I think he is one of the great comedy geniuses that this country's ever produced. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever listened to his Why Bother um, series with Peter Cook. And it was towards the end of Peter Cook's life. And it was a Radio 4 series where, again, Chris Morris played that antagonistic interviewer and Peter Cook played um, Arthur Streep Griebling. Um, and it was just completely uh, improvised interviews between the two of them. And that is still something I listen to every six months or so. And just, I'm in awe at um, these guys' imaginations, the fact how quickly they think on their feet. But yeah, Chris Morris needs to make more stuff. Uh, if he's back making stuff, and apparently recently he supported Stuart Lee in stand-up, um, which would be incredible because he's a very reclusive man. Um, but yeah, Chris Morris needs to make more stuff. And I hope we get something from him soon because this is just such a wonderful little gem of a short film. Okay, um, myself, two films to talk about, one less so than the other. Um, both both were made kind of, I suppose, trying to seem real. Um, and both did, although one is pretty boring and one's pretty good. First one is Drinking Buddy, which stars um, Anna Kendrick, Olivia Wilde, Ron Livingston, who was in Band of Brothers and a few other things, and the guy who's in that, Awful sitcom with Jake Johnson. Now. New Girl's good. Don't slag off New Girl. I like New Girl. Well, I'll fight you. Anyway, <laughs> it, it's, it's about two couples and it's boring and nothing happens in the whole film. And it just. I, I wouldn't say the act, actors in it are bad. I just say they haven't really got anything to work with because nothing happens. It's just have you, dull. Have you seen much Mumblecore, Steve? No. Mumblecore films? Because uh, I, I do know this received a lot of votes. Um, not enough to get it actually anywhere kind of in the top ten because um, it didn't really get much of a cinema release over here. But it received a lot of votes in our end-of-year polls, particularly for the performances, actually. Um, so I'm interested to hear that you didn't like it at all. It's on US Netflix, isn't it? And yeah. I'm tempted to give it a go because I've heard really, really good things and you're the first person to say you hated it. Well, just, well, just or just didn't like it. Just bought. I wouldn't say the actors are bad in it. I mean, they're quite believable in the, in the role they're playing in, in mm. the little story there is. Just nothing happens. You know, and that's, that's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> was um, a low-budget film. Um, it was from 2006 called Right at Your Door um, stars a couple of people that you might recognise from American TV but no one kind of massive anyway it's set in LA um, and some terrorists set off some uh, dirty bombs um, so it's a story of a couple the the what the, the girlfriend is, is out when it happens the boyfriend is at home still so he manages to seal up the house to try and stop the, you know, the, the toxic air getting in. Whereas he has to keep her outside because if she gets in, because she's been outside in the blast, it'll, she'll contaminate the air in the house. Um, you know, there's a few other characters in it as well. A child they come across and try and help out. 
it's really good. It's, it's very believable that the, they're in this situation. It's only, they're the only kind of two main characters in it. There's probably about four or five characters in the film which have any kind of importance on the plot and the way things move. And there's and the the boyfriend and the girlfriend, Lexi and Brad, are the only kind of two major ones. And it's just about their relationship and kind of why he's keeping her out. And then all the problems of, you know, the the military trying to take her away, trying to find people who were who were outside when it happened and contaminated and and do what they need to do with them, um, which isn't exactly straightforward and isn't exactly pleasant either by the sounds of it um so yeah both central performances are very good the the plot is it's not the greatest film you'll ever see but it's certainly enough to keep you interested in what's happening and there's a nice twist at the end mm, okay um that's on uk netflix and um, probably other versions of netflix as well and definitely definitely worth a watch good stuff Yes, yeah, so uh, that's all <laughs> what we've been watching. Up next is our triple bill um, of films to look out for in the summer. So, triple bill this week. Um, basically, we have been, uh, we have had to select one blockbuster film we and uh, we you know we think will be good. One blockbuster film that we think will not be good, and um, one non-blockbuster film we think will be good as well. So, James, why don't you kick us off? Okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to kick off with a really, really obvious one, uh, and it's my my blockbuster film that I am most looking forward to this summer. And we've got some really good ones out, and I won't mention them at the moment, because I'm sure one of you two may well come across a few of those. Um, But the one I'm going to talk about that uh, I I cannot wait for is actually Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's the one Um, that I picked, so this is why we should probably confer before we start. Yeah, we probably should. Do you know what, Steve? You got a bit of a chance to go off and find a different one if you want. <laughs> or we can just say, do you know what? Let's just both talk let's, about Guardians of the Galaxy let, for a bit. Let's do that. I'm not going to look for another one. No, let's be honest. Neither am I. Um, yeah, the reason I'm excited. There's a number of reasons I'm excited. First one, uh, written and directed by James Gunn. Um, another example of Marvel taking a punt on a director that isn't necessarily a safe pair of hands. Um, I've got a lot of time for James Gunn because he wrote and directed Super with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page, which is a very disturbing film, but actually I think a really imaginative film. And and the pluses outweigh the negatives for me with that film. I, I really enjoyed it. He also, I didn't realise this, he wrote the script for Owen's beloved um, Dawn of the Dead remake directed by Zack mm-hmm. Snyder. Um, so uh, man's got chops. Uh, he also used to be married to Jenna Fisher as well. He's no longer married to Jenna Fisher, which means I can stop hating him because I've got a thing for Jenna Fisher as well. But um, so you've got James Gunn. You've got a, a director who is uh, imaginative, is not afraid to take a risk, as we saw from the trailer um, where he used uh, Blue Swede's Hooked on a Feeling out of absolutely nowhere and got the whole world talking about that trailer due, due to a bizarre musical choice, which is great. But the other things in there as well, um, it's set in space. It's 
basically it looks like the Star Wars just, film that I want. It just looks fun, and I've heard somebody yeah. say it was no one. It was no one important. It was no one of any relevance. It was just somebody on a forum somewhere that said this could easily be another Star Wars hmm. because it looks yeah. it looks that way. It's got the kind of characters in it. And the brief bit of Chris Pratt's there at playing. It looks like Star Wars without Luke. Yeah. You know, it, which let's be honest, could be pretty, could be pretty exciting. <laughs> the, the, the brief, the brief bit of Chris Pratt you see in the trailer, mm. he's very Han Solo esque. He's very yep. cocky, arrogant, funny, with yep. charming. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's a great cast as well because I'm a big fan of Chris Pratt. Loved him in Parks and Recreation. He started getting uh, a lot of exposure recently, which is which is great. But you've also got people like uh, Bradley Cooper voicing uh, a raccoon. <laughs> you've got Vin Diesel voicing a tree. Um, but Benicio del Toro, who we saw at the end of uh, Thor 2 in a kind of weird space Liberace role. Um, <laughs> You've also got some uh, great people like John C. Riley, who's always great value. Um, uh, Peter Serafinovich. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Glenn Close. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Karen Gillan. Um, this is a really, really interesting um, cast. But they, but, but Marvel, Marvel, Disney, you know, this this kind of, mm. you know, all under Joss Whedon's control have been pulling out the kind of people you wouldn't really expect to see in comic mm. book films. I mean, obviously Thor's had um, Anthony Hopkins as Odin and yeah. Captain America's got Robert Redford in it. And these are people who yeah. think these aren't people who are going to be in comic book films, are they? They're Kenneth Branagh, you know, direct yeah. first four film. I don't know if he done the second, mm. I can't remember. No, he but, didn't. It was the guy from Game of Thrones. These, these are people you think, this isn't right. They don't yeah. comic book. They do serious stuff. They do proper films, not comic book films. And he's got the. And I think Aaron. that's two reasons. The first one is th- these make a lot of money, although they don't necessarily pay a lot of money. I was reading just this evening about um, Chris Evans' deal for Captain America and the fact that he gets nothing uh, based on profit and he gets nothing from uh, merchandising. And a few other people have said that uh, actually the. Uh, the kind of Robert Downey Jr. esque deals are the are the um, exception rather than the rule with Marvel. <laughs> They're actually quite tight, but at the same time, it it does give these actors some great exposure. Um, and the other thing is as well, people are finally taking films like this quite seriously. Um, and 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 rightfully so, I think. If you if they're done properly then why why on earth aren't they being treated seriously? And a lot of people want to work with Joss Whedon and see him as a very, very smart guy, very good writer. Um, and people want to work with people like James Gunn. Like you say, people want to work with people like Kenneth Branagh and um, uh, Edgar Wright doing the Ant-Man movie and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a great time to be involved it, in Marvel, it, it full gives, stop. It gives you hope for what Disney plans to do with Star Wars as well, because I know they've got plans beyond just the three mm-hmm. sequels. Yeah. They've got plans to do a whole kind of Star Wars-esque universe with yes. shows on Netflix and films outside the central characters like Marvel, uh, like Disney are doing with what, you yeah. know, what they're licensed for with Marvel. And if they can yeah. do it that well with, with comic book heroes, why can't they do it that well with, with Star agree. Wars I with agree. the kind so... of excessive lens flare? Yes. <laughs> And a lot of it does depend, actually, on who you've got in charge here. Mm. And I think Marvel have done well by getting 
Joss Wedden in from quite an early stage to kind of help mould that. He, he, um, he knows the subject. Universe. He knows the subject matter, and he and he knows and he's worked in that genre kind of. Before. And we've said this before, and there's a real difference now in the fact that um, comic book movies are being directed by people who grew up reading comic books and who respect the form. And you know, I, I'm not I'm not a huge comic book reader. I'll be honest. I think the only comic book film where I can say. I've actually read the source material properly as Watchmen because I read Watchmen as a youngster and absolutely loved it. But that was more in isolation. Um, so I'm watching these as a film fan going, I, I love these films. But on the whole, comic book fans seem to be sold on them to an extent, uh, not with every single decision and every single film. But uh, on the whole, they seem to be accepted by the comic book community simply because the people in charge of them aren't people like your Joel Schumacher's or your Tim Burton's who are here for a quick payday um, or to do something interesting. Still remember Tim Burton saying that he'd never read. Uh, he, why would he bother so, to read yeah, any of Kevin Smith's read, Batman? Yeah. yeah why would I read a comic, comic book? book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas these guys are people, you know, Zack Snyder, Edgar Wright, uh, Joss Whedon, James Gunn, these are people who grew up with comic books and actually genuinely respect the form. Um, and that's, that's brilliant. And I think that's the other difference, actually, is that these people want to make great films out of comic books. They don't just want to turn up, make a film, move on, do something else. So, yeah, uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be... It's the one that is probably the biggest risk for Marvel out of most of these, because no one really... Guardians of the Galaxy hasn't got a huge mainstream no, fan base. It, it all... Although Iron Man didn't really, when they made Iron Man. Would, would I be right in saying well, that? Owen, I, that... It, Iron Man was still very popular amongst comic book readers, okay. you know, Marvel fans. Guardians of the Galaxy is, is even... I mean, you, it is less popular with comic mm. book readers. Yeah. I know that yeah. um, some of the people I talk to about comics have never read any Guardians of the Galaxy stuff until they announced the film. So yeah. it's... Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a... Um, you know... See yeah. what happens with it, really. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've said from the start, I think Winter Soldier will be the best of the Phase 2 mm-hmm. novel. I just thought yeah. there was something about the, the idea of um, this espionage, you know, this thriller um, that will make it probably the most entertaining, the biggest, and, you know, the boldest sort of film mm-hmm. that they're going to do. But, it's, it's, you know, Guardians got... of the Galaxy is probably the most um, out there choice for them yeah. to do. Is, is Guardians of the Galaxy not technically the first film of Phase Three? No, it's not. It's out before um, yeah, Avengers Two. But, but I don't think the Guardians of the Galaxy is scheduled to appear until Avengers Three. Oh yeah, but the film itself, it's already got bits from Thor Two in it. It's definitely a phase. It's a Phase Two film. Well, well, well whatever. <laughs> what's, what's your next film? Uh, my next film will be my my non-blockbuster that I'm also very excited about, the film that I'm most excited about that maybe isn't on everyone's radar, and that is Frank, um, the Lenny Abraham, uh, Abrahamson film uh, starring Michael Fassbender as Frank Sidebottom. Um, <laughs> and I still remember when this was announced and thinking... That's an absolutely fucking ludicrous idea for a film. It's it's written by John Ronson, the author John Ronson, who wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats, The Psychopath Test, uh, The Journalist, who I never realised this in his youth was in 
Frank Sidebottom's band, and it's based on his kind of early experiences of being in Frank Sidebottom's band. For those of uh, for those listeners out there who don't know who Frank Sidebottom is, he was a Mancunian with an oversized papier-mâché head who appeared on various television programs and toured with a weird band in the uh, the 1980s, early 90s. I remember he used to be on Number 73 a lot, uh, ITV's kind of Saturday morning program. Um, he had a weird high-pitched Mancunian voice. And legend has it, he never took the head off in company. Um, now, the man who was Frank Sidebottom, um, he died uh, a few years back, and then this film started to be around. Now, what I will say is this film is a reimagining. It's it's kind of inspired by Frank Sidebottom because it transplants the story to America, and it makes Frank Sidebottom uh, part of an American indie band. Uh, but... Brendan Gleeson, uh, no, sorry, Dom Hall Gleeson, who was in About Time, plays young John Ronson, who is invited into the band. And as a youngster, this is the most incredible time of his life. He's playing, I think, bass. Maggie Gyllenhaal is also in this band. And it's about this band who are going nowhere um, and the different creative forces in that band. And what I like, the trailer is hilarious. And just this idea that Michael Fassbender is going to spend the entire film in a papier-mâché head. We're not going to have a uh, a Judge Dredd, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> moment where, like, ten minutes in, they do they decide to get rid of it. No, he he's playing Frank Sidebottom the entire film with a papier-mâché thing. And there's a great little bit. The trailer's out now, and it showed at Sundance earlier this year. Um, he's describing his face inside, so they know his emotions. He tells them what face he's pulling while he's inside his head um and you hear him kind of making up these incredible songs and it, it just looks utterly utterly mental but at the same time exactly the kind of film that i am really really excited about it's a music film it's a road movie um it's got fastbender in it and it's also got donald who i really liked in um about time i'm a big fan of maggie maggie gyllenhaal I'm just really, really excited about this film, and I just got the um, I just got the impression it's going to be one of those cult films that will live on for decades. And you, I, I really highly recommend going to see it in the cinema when you can. Okay, what's the film that you think is going to? Uh... Well, the okay. film that I think is going to disappoint me. Um, I've, I've not. There's a few films out that may well get mentioned later on that uh, I think are going to be fucking dreadful. But I'm, I'm kind of. I've always expected. In the moment they were announced, I expected them to be dreadful. But there's one film that is actually out this weekend that I am really concerned is going to underwhelm me and disappoint me, and that is Muppets Most Wanted. Um, I've not heard good things, and I'm scared. Because, as you well remember, on the very first episode of this podcast, and we chose our Desert Island films, the films that we could happily watch every day for the rest of our lives, one of my choices was the Muppets movie, not long after seeing it in the cinema. And that choice still holds true today. I absolutely adore that original reboot of the Muppets film starring Jason Segel, Amy Adams, um, and the Muppets. And that was the important thing. Now, What is a Muppet? Uh, a Muppet is a, a a a puppet from the Jim Henson studio. It's not it's a quite a Mop, and it's not quite a puppet. Oh, I see. Right, <laughs> was that something I was meant to know? Sorry. Sim- I'm not. Do you know what? I'm not a massive actual Muppets geek. I know uh, 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 at Duke, um, one of our followers has been to see the film. I've not actually asked him what he thought about it yet. But he's a massive Muppets geek. 
Lo- loves all the Muppets films. I have seen them in my youth and enjoyed them, but I wouldn't class myself as someone who is an uber Muppets fan. Uh, and I went to see the the most recent kind of reboot of it just because actually I heard Mark Commode say good things about it on the on his podcast, and I thought, you know, what, I'll go and see that. And the first half an hour was the most I've laughed in the cinema for a very, very long time. Um, it's got great little performances from Jason Segel, Amy Adams, but also um, the songs from Brett McKenzie from, uh, from Flight of the Concords are utterly brilliant. Now, my concern is having seen the trailer and having heard things and read things about this film, and I know that's cheating a little bit because, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this based on... Uh, some prior knowledge in a sense but i i've got really deep concerns about this film and the waste of talent involved and the fact that ricky gervais potentially could annoy me like i thought he would and tina Fey's wasted and and not even the songs are actually that great and it's spoiled by cameos and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna because i'm gonna see it this weekend and i really really hope i'm wrong about this but I think Muppets Most Wanted could well be my most disappointing and underwhelming film of the year, and that would really upset me. I've been told by Steve I'm not allowed to watch either. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're a joy kill. Because I'm a joy uh, kill. kill yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, would probably yeah. come on here and go, Meh, and I don't think Steve could handle that. But yeah. I, do you know what? What if I come on here but, and say that, though, oh, Steve? That's going to really upset you. You'll just dismiss it straight away. <laughs> who i will no owen will oh owen yeah. will yeah but i want to love it and if it lets me down after wanting to love it that's not a great thing but who knows i could be surprised okay uh i'm gonna go on to my choice obviously we know my blockbuster choice as james picked it already my yeah. um non-blockbuster is going to be i've done pretty well recommending and um, comedies lately I've, you know, I don't think I've missed a mark lately of a comedy, so I'm going to go for another one. That's The Inbetweeners 2, which is out in August. It wasn't giving much fanfare when it was kind of announced. It wasn't much I barely film. knew it was being made, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, there wasn't much about it being made, but it's it's going to be out on the 6th of August, and they're going to be in Australia this time, doing what many young people do, travelling. The original cast is back. Uh, luckily, because I heard that the four girls they kind of met on holiday in the first movie were going to be involved in this one. They're not, so we're not going to have to have any focus on them. Not that, obviously, <laughs> no, not that, not that women characters are, are bad and things like that, but, you know, it takes away focus. The in between is about those four. Yeah. You don't, you know, Simon, Neil, Jay, and Will, you don't want the focus taken away from them. If you had four more characters in there that are, would be now fairly central. They would take focus away, and yeah. it would. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. To an extent, but they're not. They're not going to be kind of involved. So it's just the four boys traveling in Australia, and so far the pe- You know, it's all the same writers as well. They got the sitcom yeah. right with three series. That was spot on. You know, looking if, as a comedy of people who are not cool but not unpopular. They are in betweeners. Mm-hmm. The, the movie was very funny and got pretty much spot on kind of the lads holiday culture and what happens on lads holiday. So I'm fairly certain this one will be just as good. Good. And no, no, I'll definitely go and see it. I, I, I will say 
I almost I nearly went for a comedy for my non-blockbuster, but that would have been Twenty Two Jump Street, which I'm really excited about. But and yeah, in between is a nice choice too. And um, the film I'm I'm worried about is uh, Pudsy the Dog the movie from, uh, <laughs> from no, obviously, obviously not. Um, I don't know why that's happened. I don't know what it's about. There's it's also a, a, um, I saw a trailer for it the other day. I actually saw a trailer for it and I thought, oh, that's not a joke. That's real. Oh God. It's not uh, the Mrs. Brown Boys movie or Mrs. Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> Again, another one. I'm like that. That's a thing. Oh God. Uh, it is the Godzilla remake reboot. Ooh, controversial. Even though the trailer looks quite good, I just think it's gonna. I just think it's gonna fall short. I think it's gonna be kind of a, a below par Pacific Rim. I think Pacific Rim kind of. Whoa! No, <laughs> don't say that. I really was disappointed. I, I, I can't imagine. I see. To me, it's the Thinking Man's Pacific Rim. That's what I'm hoping it is. I think it's gonna fall short. I think it's gonna. Whoa. I don't know why. I've got no real substance for that. <laughs> I just think. Just a hunch. I just think it's gonna going to be disappointing wow i'm quite looking forward to it i think from the trailer i know we've only had like teaser trailers so far um mm. they've made me quite excited about it yeah i think it looks good That's they've got the same right so cast yeah. are good the only problem i have with it is the choice of director who i'm not sure whether he'll be good or not he's the guy who did um monster or monsters mm. rather yeah which was just a meandering boring pile of tosh mm. but you know, Godzilla's got a bit more substance to it, so you know, maybe maybe it'll be quite good. I don't know. It seems it seems it, to have a it, lot it's of got, It's got to be better than the uh, the the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick for a start. Oh God, yes. <laughs> There's no Jamir. I've not heard no Jamiroquai uh, on the trailer, <laughs> so that's that's a that's a bonus. Yeah. Okay, and um. Owen, your your three. My three, okay. Well, in preparation for this, I had a look at what I picked last year, um, and the previews I picked for last summer were the Evil Dead remake, mm. just so I thought it might be quite interesting, and it turned out to be yeah. okay. Um, the final part in the Cornetto trilogy, which is The World's End, which I enjoyed mm-hmm. as well, and yeah. uh, the Alan Partridge movie, Alpha Papa, oh. which is brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, fingers crossed it's the same sort of quality again this year, so... Uh, to try and fit into James's um, criteria, my pick for the most anticipated blockbuster, uh, I'm going with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, just on the point on Godzilla as well, I'm not sure about the director for this, uh, who's Matt Reeves, because uh, mm. I wasn't especially keen on Cloverfield. There was yes. certain elements to that I, I didn't enjoy at all. Um, but given how uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes surpassed my already high expectations... And how the sequel was set up perfectly towards the end of that film, I'm mm-hmm. I'm quite confident that I'm going to enjoy Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, probably quite a lot as well. I'm a big fan of the series. Everything apart from Tim Burton's film um, has been quite enjoyable on different levels. Uh, and the fact they've got Andy Serkis back again as Caesar, who is the leader of the ape mm-hmm. revolution, plus Gary Oldman, who's always good value. You know, I really hope it's going to be as good as the potential it, it has because I think it could be excellent. Um, the story, I'm guessing, is going to take a similar shape to uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, um, a bit like the, the previous one, Rise. But at the same time, 
it doesn't really matter if they go off in a completely new direction then that will probably be a benefit to the series anyway um mm. but you know it's i'm sure it'll be great won't it really Actually, I, i'm looking forward to it yeah yeah i'm sure i think no i'm sure so um yeah. <laughs> my most anticipated non-blockbuster was quite a tough choice actually um but in the end i went with the double which is Richard mm. O'Reilly's adaptation of yeah. Dostoevsky's story, starring Jesse Eisenberg as uh, both a chap who is living pretty humdrum existence uh, until his doppelganger turns up. And I wasn't keen on the uh, idea of the film to begin with, but then it was your review, James, from the Glasgow Film Festival. Mm-hmm. got me a little bit more intrigued by it. Oh, good. And then uh, I've since then I've seen the, the trailer rather than just mm-hmm. sort of heard bits and bobs of Ellie. And I've heard quite a few more positive reviews. And now I'm actually quite looking forward to it. It sounds really interesting. And I think it could be quite entertaining. Um, yeah. It was my favourite film of Glasgow Film Festival this year. Um, yeah. Out of about 10 or so that I saw. I really enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg. Brilliant value. Mm. Um, and actually it was this film that uh, converted me to him playing Lex Luthor in the Batman yeah. Superman. Because um, I actually saw him... Yeah, huge range uh the confidence but also the the nervousness uh, yeah it, absolutely loved it um yeah really really and i think it is very entertaining and it's very funny and it was only after i watched the double that i finally got around to watching submarine and i'm really starting to like richard iwardy's um visual style and actually just his his pure directorial style as well so no i'm glad i'm glad you're excited about that because i think you're right to be yeah well it's you know it, it looks like quite a good 90 minute comedy drama with mm. you know some really good performances so yeah hopefully it's um it's as you described it and if so then then brilliant um but the film i've picked as my most likely to disappoint is the upcoming arnie film sabotage Oh, that, oh no! From what I've seen and read, it looks like a NAF um, or NAFA version of the Expendables. And I liked Expendables too when we re- reviewed mm-hmm. it back in 2012, whenever it was that year. Um, and I think Arnie's kind of been on a decent. It's had a decent set of films since he's started his comeback. You know, The Last Stand mm. was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Escape Plan was so-so, but you know he was quite good in that actually. Uh, sabotage however looks like a step too far back into the old 80s action hero that he once was and i think with something like the last stand it was quite knowing in the way that he was an aging sheriff of a quiet little town um you know too old for this shit kind of thing you know and then he you know he shouldn't be firing bazookas and leaping out of helicopters or whatever is going to be happening in sabotage just appreciate you're not <laughs> he's not the 30 something year old ripped muscly man anymore he's he's older he's he's on it you know he's the guy who, who was the governor of california he's not he's not duke or uh, he's not not duke sorry that's john wayne isn't he? he's not matrix from commando anymore mm-hmm. you know i don't know he's um it, the film looks a bit dodgy as well i think you can be big and bold with it going over the top like with the stunts that this seems to yeah. do um but like i said i've only seen little bits of it anyway but you know and i say all this kind of regrettably because i want schwarzenegger to mm. have a successful comeback uh, yeah. as much as the next man does but i just don't see it happening with sabotage that is really interesting that we've all gone for um 
films that we actually genuinely want to do well but we're we're concerned mm. rather than just going well transformers 4 is going to be shite <laughs> and uh uh teenage mutant ninja turtles is going to be terrible and things like that yeah. so i thought i find that quite interesting and uh and i noticed yeah, as well films to look out for there none of us have picked uh the raid 2 no i didn't know how to categorize it to be honest yeah. I, it was it's an odd one because i don't think it is a blockbuster but i felt a bit weird putting it in the kind of like one to watch thing because yeah. surely everyone's excited about the way so it's a it's an odd one plus also it's nearly here in fact you're seeing it next monday i'm seeing it on you? monday yes very excited yeah. about that um yeah no I, yeah let's just get it right i think the raid 2 is going to be fucking incredible mm. and uh i have i have very high hopes that's going to be in my top 10 list come the end of the year we had a few suggestions from Twitter as well. We oh, good, on. did we? Excellent. Um, my mate Paul at Pafster uh, yeah. has tweeted us. He said he's hoping Sin City is going to be. He said it's going to be Aces. Um, the return of the Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will stick in the place out though, yeah. which I think is fair. I think Sin City was quite an underrated film. I enjoyed Sin yeah. City a lot more than I thought it would actually, yeah. despite the fact it's clearly written by an absolute misogynist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Frank I Miller lo- lo- is. I, I yeah. still quite like. I still quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had Matt Matt Lamborn. Uh, it says, "Give me some Gojira." So Godzilla, uh, obviously. Godzilla, yeah. yeah. So at least we've got I one person on the team who's quite <laughs> quite. So I know he's he's actually like traveling the sea. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. to go and watch Godzilla because yeah. it won't open in Isle of Man as well. he wants to watch it in an IMAX I think doesn't he yeah. and I don't blame him no, me neither um, the, yeah the other suggestion I mean I just had uh, I sent a tweet out saying you know tell us what you're excited about and yeah. at Shorky another at Shorky 1969 yeah. tweeted us back and said everything so he's just oh, bless. excited about yeah, everything that, so, as Mike excited about everything they're, they'll all get three and a half stars from <laughs> yeah but it's I think it's actually quite a good point because it, it does seem like it's going to be a good year i think especially for those I, blockbusters. I was chatting to another one of our listeners and contributors at duke the other day actually in person because we went to a football match together um but we both said uh, we like picked our top three and top five from the year so far and went I, I can't see them not being in the top 10 at the end of the year and we're only in march mm. and you know I'm really excited about this year uh, because I've seen some films that I've absolutely adored already, and I'm already I'm already thinking forward to my end of year voting, thinking, God, some of these are going to miss out. How? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited, yeah. and I think it's a good summer. And there, like I said, there's not too many stinkers. There's not too many absolute stinkers out there, and the ones that I'm excited about, I've got a lot of confidence in. So I, I think this is going to be a good year. Yes. Um, let's go quickly into our recommendations then for um, for next week. I'm going to start off with television. Sunday afternoon, half past five, Channel 4, Home Alone. <laughs> oh, classic. Even though it's March. Uh, I might have, to, might have to tape it and save right. it for what I'm saying. I've clearly got it on I've DVD. Got a problem with that one? 
Film four. Uh, it's, it's a Christmas film. That's all. Film I'm four, five to seven, three men and a baby. <laughs> there we go. Oh. There you go. Uh, James. Uh, I'm going for a Netflix US one actually this week, uh, and the Oscar-winning documentary and good fun uh, music documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom, is now available to watch on Netflix US, and I'd, I'd definitely recommend watching it because although I'm still a little bit sore at the fact that um, it beat The Act of Killing to the best documentary Oscar, which I think is a ludicrous decision, in its own right, it's actually a really entertaining documentary. In the spirit, I think of something like Searching for Sugar Man, it's a, a nice, it's a documentary about great music that will that will inspire you and make you feel good. So spend 90 minutes with that definitely. Excellent, and Owen. Um, I'm recommending this a little bit blind actually because i haven't seen it yet and it's not even out in the uk but snowpiercer it comes out mm-hmm. on dvd in france and blu-ray on the that is our label. most niche recommendation it's the most niche you recommendation you're ever you gonna buy get. it from france i'm buying it from france <laughs> it's costing me 25 quid to see it so it better bloody be worth it but um, yeah but i'm really excited about it and i can't i can't wait it's really annoying that it's not getting a uk release in well it's not even suggested that it's going to get one in the near future Otherwise, that probably would have made it onto my summer preview list. But um, yes, Snowpiercer, yeah, comes out on DVD and Blu-ray in France. Amazon.fr are selling it. So, you know what? Okay. I'm picking that. I'm just picking that blind. I know a lot of people who I trust have, have reviewed it quite positively. So, I'm there. I'm being very niche to that one, I think. Excellent. Um, so, yes, um, thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Uh, that's the end of the podcast for this week. Next week, we'll be back possibly at a slightly different time to usual, but with reviews of uh, new Captain America and a new Muppets film, um, among other things. Um, so like I said, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who's contributed, and we'll uh, see you soon. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics. Oh, that's yeah. Well, apart from, you know, yeah, well, the 1973 bed. thing was there just that's to show you he's yeah. old, yeah. and the 2004 and onwards was like, yeah, he's still alone. It's not, yeah, no, it's, it's clever. Yeah, but no, I, I, I was going with Steve's thing. I thought he was young in 73 and therefore, yeah. yeah. But no, that's been an interesting one. And I bet every listener at home has been shouting after this going, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah. let, Let's move on from this debacle of quizzing. <laughs> and not bitter at all. No, no. definitely not. Um, and move on to, to, to news. Um, one bit of news, really. Um, more just, you know, being nice and promoting the people who invited me to something which james mm. has done very well james is not the only person who gets invited to to things on the podcast no i believe it or not i was invited uh on behalf of ourselves and born offside to a press screening of an upcoming documentary called next goal wins which is about the american Samoan national football team at the time of making the documentary they were the worst team in the world i think don't think they've scored a a competitive goal uh, obviously bottom of fifa's world rankings and they had suffered the worst defeat in competitive international football history losing 31-0 to australia in about 2001 
and it's uh, a do- documentary about them trying to get their first win or even first goal, and about some of the people in the you know some of the characters in the team and the coach. Can't say too much. I'm under an embargo. But we'll obviously be getting a full review on the podcast and on both failed critics and born offside. When the embargo is lifted, the documentary is also getting a release towards the end of April, beginning of May, in time in time for the World Cup. And hopefully, we'll be having an interview on here with one, if not both, of the directors of the documentary. Um, and, it, and it's, I will say, because obviously I can't say too much, but even if you don't like football, and there will be some people who listen to this who don't like football, it, it is, it's got something, you know, it transcends football. There's more, there's more to it than just football. Mm. I, I, I've seen the trailer and um, it's right up my street, definitely. And I think a couple of our listeners have said that as well. Yeah, it looks brilliant, doesn't it, from the trailer? I mean, they make yeah, it so look so we, brilliant. Me and Owen aren't under embargo because we've not seen it. And all I will say is, yeah, it looks it looks fascinating. And it looks like, as every great sporting documentary, it looks like it's got some really interesting characters in there. And who doesn't love cheering on underdogs? So I'm, I'm really excited about seeing it at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It is brilliant. Um, and obviously, come, with the World Cup coming up, it, a good juxtaposition of of the World Cups. Obviously, going to be the best teams in the world, the best players in the world. This is very much the bottom teams in the world. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can't see too much, say too much, but in the trailer, you see them trying to dribble around cones, and I can dribble around yeah. cones better than that. I know. I, I I always wished. Part of me always wished I was born in like some country which is terrible at football to maybe give me the chance of international <laughs> football. I've always had that dream. Like if I'd been born somewhere like that, God, I'm, maybe I could be an international striker. That'd be amazing. But um, did, yeah, did I, we review I, the, the 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 documentary of uh, Storyville on here? I can't I remember. Think you, no. I think you did, but I've not seen it yet. I think you mentioned. Did it, I mention but I'm not it? Sure you gave it a full yeah. review. Yeah. I think in preparation for for this uh, next goal wins yeah. documentary the, the the documentary that bbc have shown on storyville uh coach zoran and his african tigers which is about a guy who is football coach he used to manage teams like bangladesh and that kind of thing he then goes on to manage the south sudan football team mm-hmm. and that is a fascinating documentary as well yeah. i think is it still on story is it still on iplayer do you know i think it's still on iplayer yeah yeah okay i'll, I'll definitely check that out. it sounds interesting because i've heard you talk about that it's yeah. really really entertaining yeah, the guy is just incredible. Anyway, that's uh, next next goal win, so you can check the trailer out now, and they're on Twitter as well, promoting, so you'll be able to find out the definite release date from there, and um, we'll be getting the full review when I can. Um, that's all for the first part. In the second part, we'll be back with what we've been watching. So, what we've been watching, when we take a look at the film's um, we've watched over the last week or so that weren't new releases. Uh, so, Owen, why don't you kick us off? Shall I kick us off? Okay. Um, I'm going to very quickly start off by mentioning um, a sort of challenge that I've been involved with on Twitter with a guy who listens to the podcast quite regularly called Paul at P-A-F-S-T-E-R, Pathster, I guess you'd pronounce it, on mm-hmm. Twitter where he sent me his three worst DVDs and I sent him mine. So I think I came out of it quite well. He sent me um, No Country for Old Men, which I was really chuffed about. I really like that film. I don't see how oh, that could be. Yeah, so that was good. Um, so I got that out of it, but I also watched American Psycho 2 because of it and the documentary, which is about two hours long on 
finish Pushkas, which was really just quite dry and dull. And it was all in Russian with subtitles, and it was just really kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, I can see why he sent me it. He sent me it oh. unopened. So, but I think I had the last laugh because I sent him Corpse Bride on Blu-ray. I sent him uh, a film called Monkey Magic, the movie. I like, I like the TV series, but the film is terrible. Mm. And um, I, I sent him another one called Mystery Men, which I don't know if either of you two have seen. I've seen it. I was rather underwhelmed that by one it. with Kel in it from Keenan and Kel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and Ben Stiller and yeah, all them lot. Janine Garofalo and yeah, uh, yeah. I, there was one that I kind of I liked the premise of, but the film really underwhelmed exactly. me. Exactly, it was that's yeah. exactly what it's like. It's just a really, just it it's just shouldn't be funny, and it isn't. That's just what yeah. it's like. Yeah. Um, so I think I came out of that quite well. But you know, I'm happy if anyone else wants to try and take up this. Uh, this challenge i'm sure we can sort I, I would i would happily get involved with this but i slim down my dvds so I, I i tend not to keep bad ones but i'm tempted mm. next time i go into a i've uh, there's a, a pound land near me which has got loads of dvds for a pound each and like i've seen the case and thought oh my god there's some there's some weirdly <laughs> bad films in so i'm tempted yeah. to just buy three films from Poundland and send them instead uh so i might i may well do that this mm. week mm. yeah but like i say if anyone wants to get involved with it we could probably sort some tweet us yeah tweet us we'll we'll come up with some kind of hashtag before the end of it we'll 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 make it uh it will become a thing and we'll be able to sell it for for 19 billion (laughs) dollars yeah so uh but anyway i I mean those aren't the films that i wanted to review what i want to talk about is a korean film uh called mother partly because uh it's mother's day of course, coming up on Sunday. So it kind of ties in, but that's not the reason I watched it. The reason I watched it is because it's by by a director called uh, Bong Joon-ho, who uh, I've talked about a couple of his films before in the past, The Host and Memories of a Murder. But he's probably quite famous at the moment for having a kind of standoff war with uh, the Weinsteins about the um, release of his film Snowpiercer, which is his first English language film, which is still a Korean film. Starring Chris Evans and some other people as well. It's got uh, who else was in it? Anyway, no, never mind. John Hurt. John Hurt. Yes. Yeah, so Snowpiercer is this massive. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, it's this massive um, sci-fi film which has got a lot of. Uh, it's got a bit of a cult following already just because of the kind of surrounding the the, the problems about the distribution of it because it's not even got a UK release date or a US release date even. But you, I've pre-ordered the Blu-ray from France. That's how ridiculous it is. You know, I'm getting the Blu-ray from France next week. But I can't see this film anywhere in the UK. But a lot of people seem to have been watching it recently. I think it must have been made available through other means online quite recently. All oh, those cheeky Yeah, stuff. so um, lots of people seem to have watched it, which kind of prompted me then to go back and watch uh, Mother because I've had the DVD sitting on my shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially the story of a, uh, a mom, obviously, and her son who is accused of murder but he's got some kind of there's something mentally quite wrong with him you know he's not he's not all all there um Mm. so he's sent to prison for this murder because the police just want to kind of wrap up the case as quickly as possible but she's convinced of his innocence and she sets out to prove he's innocent and he didn't kill this young girl um so yeah i mean it's it's been reviewed quite a lot online if you look for it it's quite a popular film it is similar to memories of a murder which is uh, bong's other film which in in the sense that it's quite a, a, a slow moving 
crime drama. You know, you've got the, the procedural side to it where the case is being investigated, but also you've got the the human side to it where it, in, differently to Memories of a Murder, where that's mostly um, I keep calling it Memories of a Murder. It's Memories of Murder. I'll stop doing that. But, but that's mainly like a procedural. It shows you the police and they're investigating the case. This is about the innocent woman who's trying to um, find her own form of justice. And it's just it's brilliantly acted, I have to say. Um, Kim Haija, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She plays the mother and she's just tremendous. I mean, the lengths that she goes, her character goes to try and prove her son's innocence is quite moving anyway. Um, but it's more about the kind of intensity of her role. Um, I, I mentioned a film before as well called Poetry, uh, which has an actress called Ying Jung-hai, and she was brilliant. But she plays a much more, she plays a mother whose son is involved in a kind of crime. And she plays it in a more naturalistic way. And it's all about her dealing with, um, dealing with uh, the onset of Alzheimer's, uh, and all the other things that are going on around her grandson's case. And there's also a film I reviewed on here as well, which is also Korean called Pieta, which deals with a, another form of mother who's called Jo Min, who's played by an actress called Jo Min Soo. And, but she's a very extreme performance where she's um, like, it's almost a revenge thriller, Pieta. But she, this role in Mother, it's very much in between. So you've got a nice contrast to these three films if you wanted to watch them all back to back. Um, on Mother's Day, why not? It's kind of a theme of those films, um, where you she plays it a lot, a bit more reserved than the all-out craziness of Pieta, but it's still quite um, quite a charismatic role, a more charismatic performance than than perhaps what what you've got in poetry. So it's it's quite good. But um, as for the the director Bong Joon Ho, he's he's quite a famous director in Korea anyway because of the films he's released. I mean, The Host is one of the most um, you know, it's one of the most high returns on a film they've had in Korea, and it's quite a cult film over over here in in the West as well. But I would say it's probably just a bit better than the host, maybe not so good as Memories of Murder. Um, but then, you know, Memories of Murder is just a fucking fantastic film. So mm. it's not a bad film in it, by any means. It's actually really, actually very entertaining. So yeah, Mother is is great if you like those sort of crime. Um, bit psychological dramas and there's a bit of mystery to it which does get resolved towards the end you haven't got this ridiculous ambiguous ending you sometimes get it's, it's quite clear cut so yeah mother brilliant film excellent um james yourself yeah i've for variety of reasons not actually had a chance to see any films in the cinema this week um or pretty much anything at home so i'm i, I watched a short film earlier because that's how lazy i'm getting I watched a 12-minute film to review uh, for the podcast. And the film I watched, was it's called My Wrongs, 8,245 to 8,249 and 117. And it is a a Chris Morris short film. And I just want to have a quick chat. The reason I watched it is because uh, I've been watching Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, uh, season three. Oh, and you're a Stuart Lee fan, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Have you been watching the Comedy Vehicle? Of course, yeah. Of course. And um, last last uh, series, the kind of 
the critical interviewer, uh, the antagonist interviewer, was uh, portrayed by Amanda Inucci. And this season, it's Chris Morris. And it was just like, I've just been watching, and oh my God, Chris Morris is back on television. And Chris Morris is as brilliant as ever. And oh my God, isn't Chris Morris uh, an utter genius? And we've spoken about four lines on here. His, his solo, his single... Um, feature film uh, director but uh, his short film which won the BAFTA for best short film back in 2003 My Wrongs is actually it's, I watched it and it's utterly brilliant um, and have you ever seen Jam uh, the Chris Morris kind of very surreal sketch show uh, based on his radio series Blue Jam it was on Channel 4 very very bizarre he also had such power at Channel 4 that they ran it without adverts because he demanded they run it without adverts so they did uh, which is still just utterly brilliant and it had Julia Davis and uh, Kevin Eldon and people like that in and this is based on a sketch from that it's a 12 minute film and it stars Paddy uh, Considine um in a really, really, it, he, well, he, he's 11 years younger and he looks very, very different in 2003. He plays um, a, a guy and the, the man is his is his name. And he's looking after a friend's Doberman called Rothko, uh, who is voiced by Chris Morris. And the dog starts talking to him and convinces him that he's on trial for everything he's ever done wrong in his life. And that this dog is his lawyer. And there's a very bizarre, surreal sense of humour as the dog is making him do things wrong and then go, wow, why did you do that? And it's it's um, it's a wonderful, just short bit of brilliant surrealist humour, actually, if, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, and you actually see where Chris Morris's directorial style came from because he obviously co-created and uh, directed... Nathan Barley with Charlie Brooker, um, which I, I never got Nathan Barley the first time round. Um, and I think that's because I didn't live in London at the time. So I didn't know what hipster bastards were <laughs> and kind of like in the years since I've gone, all right, I get that now. Um, you know, and obviously Chris Morris did the day to day and did Brass Eye. But this is a really, really interesting short film. It's available on YouTube. I, I've got it on DVD, but it's available on YouTube in its full length. And I, I would just recommend if you've got 12 minutes free in your day, watch this film because it's incredibly funny. It really, really made me laugh. There's also uh, a couple of people that you have kind of seen in British comedy. There's Michael from uh, I'm Alan Partridge um, playing a posh man like he does in everything else apart from in I'm Alan Partridge, <laughs> which I always find really weird. There's um, from the last few series at the thick of it, you know, Peter Mannion's kind of nerdy spad um, posh guy. I can't remember. His, Will Hodgson, I think his name is. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, he's in it. Um, there's a few lovely little moments. Uh, it's a really great performance from uh, Considine as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, sometimes it's just quite nice to go and watch a short film because they finish quickly. But this was more than that. This was a really, really nice short film. Very funny, um, very interesting. And basically, I just wanted to talk about Chris Morris for a little bit because genuinely, I think he is one of the great comedy geniuses that this country's ever produced. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever listened to his Why Bother um, series with Peter Cook. And it was towards the end of Peter Cook's life. And it was a Radio 4 series where, again, Chris Morris played that antagonistic interviewer and Peter Cook played um, Arthur Streeb Griebling. Um, and it was just completely uh, improvised interviews between the two of them. And that 
is still something I listen to every six months or so and just I'm in awe of um, these guys' imaginations, the fact how quickly they think on their feet. But yeah, Chris Morris needs to make more stuff uh, if he's back making stuff. And apparently recently he supported Stuart Lee in stand-up, um, which would be incredible because he's a very reclusive man. Um, but yeah, Chris Morris needs to make more stuff and I hope we get something from him soon because this is just such a wonderful little gem of a short film. Okay. Um, myself, two films to talk about one less so than the other. Um, both, both were made kind of, I suppose, trying to seem real. Um, and both did, although one is pretty boring and one's pretty good. First one is drinking buddy, which stars, um, Anna Kendrick, Olivia Wilde, Ron Livingston, who was in Band of Brothers and a few other things, and the guy who's in that awful sitcom with Jake, Jake Johnson. Now. New Girl's good. Don't slag off New Girl. I like New Girl. Oh. I'll fight you. Anyway, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's about two couples, and it's boring, and nothing happens in the whole film. And it just... I, I wouldn't say the act, actors in it are bad, I just say they haven't really got anything to work with because nothing happens. It's just have you, dull. Have you seen much Mumblecore, Steve? No. Mumblecore films. Because uh, I, I do know this received a lot of votes. Um, not enough to get it actually anywhere kind of in the top ten because um, it didn't really get much of a cinema release over here. But it received a lot of votes in our end-of-year polls, particularly for the performances, actually. Um, so I'm interested to hear that you didn't like it at all. It's on US Netflix, isn't it? And yeah. I'm tempted to give it a go because I've heard really, really good things. And you're the first person to say you hated it. I was well, just, I was just bored. Or just didn't like it. Just bored. I wouldn't say the actors are bad in it. I mean, they're quite believable in the, in the role they're playing, in, in mm. the little story there is. Just nothing happens. You know, and that's, that's all I've got to say about it. <laughs> was um, a low-budget film. Um, it was from 2006 called Right at Your Door um, stars a couple of people that you might recognise from American TV but no one kind of massive anyway it's set in LA um, and some terrorists set off some uh, dirty bombs um, so it's a story of a couple the the what the, the girlfriend is, is out when it happens the boyfriend is at home still so he manages to seal up the house to try and stop the, you know, the, the toxic air getting in. Whereas he has to keep her outside because if she gets in, because she's been outside in the blast, it'll, she'll contaminate the air in the house. Um, you know, there's a few other characters in it as well. A child they come across and try and help out. It's really good. It's, it's very believable that the, they're in this situation. It's only, they're the only kind of two main characters in it. There's probably about four or five characters in the film which have any kind of importance on the plot and the way things move. And there's and the, the boyfriend and the girlfriend, Lexi and Brad, are the only kind of two major ones. And it's just about their relationship and kind of why he's keeping her out. And then all the problems of, you know, the, the military trying to take her away, trying to find people who were who were outside when it happened and contaminated and and do what they need to do with them, um, which isn't exactly straightforward and isn't exactly pleasant either by the sounds of it. Um, 
so yeah, both central performances are very good. The the plot is it's not the greatest film you'll ever see, but it's certainly enough to keep you interested in what's happening. And there's a nice twist at the end. Mm, okay. Um, that's on UK Netflix. Um, probably other versions of Netflix as well, and definitely definitely worth a watch. Good stuff. Yeah, so uh, that's all <laughs> what we've been watching. Up next is our triple bill um, of films to look out for in the summer. So, triple bill this week. Um, basically, we have been, uh, we have had to select one blockbuster film we and uh, we you know we think will be good one blockbuster film that we think will not be good and um one non-blockbuster film we think will be good as well so james why don't you kick us off okay yeah uh, i'm gonna kick off with a really really obvious one uh and it's my my blockbuster film that I am most looking forward to this summer. And we, we've got some really good ones out, and I won't mention them at the moment, because I'm sure one of you two may well come across a few of those. Um, but the one I'm going to talk about that uh, I, I cannot wait for is actually Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's the one um, that I picked, so this is why we should probably confer before we start. Right. Yeah, we probably should. Do you know what, Steve? you got a bit of a chance to go off and find a different one if you want. <laughs> or we can just say, do you know what? Let's just both talk let's, about Guardians of the Galaxy let, for a bit. Let's do that. I'm not going to look for another one. No, let's be honest, neither am I. Um, yeah, the reason I'm excited, there's a number of reasons I'm excited. First one, uh, written and directed by James Gunn. Um, another example of Marvel taking a punt on a director that isn't necessarily a safe pair of hands. Um I've got a lot of time for James Gunn because he wrote and directed Super with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page, which is a very disturbing film, but actually I think a really imaginative film. And and the pluses outweigh the negatives for me with that film. I, I really enjoyed it. He also, I didn't realise this, he wrote the script for Owen's beloved um, Dawn of the Dead remake directed by Zack mm-hmm. Snyder. Um, so uh, man's got chops uh, he also used to be married to Jenna Fisher as well he's no longer married to Jenna Fisher which means I can stop hating him because I've got a thing for Jenna Fisher as well but um, so you've got James Gunn you've got a, a director who is uh, imaginative is not afraid to take a risk as we saw from the trailer uh, where he used uh, Blue Swedes hooked on a feeling out of absolutely nowhere and got the whole world talking about that trailer due, due to a bizarre musical choice, which is great. But the other things in there as well, um, it's set in space. It's basically, it looks like the Star Wars just, film that I want. It just looks fun. And I've heard somebody yeah. say it was no one, it was no one important. It was no one of any relevance. It was just somebody on a forum somewhere that said this could easily be another Star Wars. Mm. because it looks yeah. it looks that way it's got the kind of characters in it and the brief bit of chris pratt's there at playing it looks like star wars without luke yeah you know it, which let's be honest could be pretty could be pretty exciting the, the, the brief <laughs> the brief bit of chris pratt you see in the trailer mm. he's very han solo-esque he's very yep. cocky arrogant funny with yeah charming yeah uh, and I'd, it's a great cast as well because I'm a big fan of Chris Pratt. Loved him in Parks and Recreation. He started getting uh, a lot of exposure recently, which is which is great. But you've also got people like uh, Bradley Cooper voicing 
uh, a raccoon. <laughs> You've got Vin Diesel voicing a tree. Um, but Benicio Del Toro, who we saw at the end of uh, Thor 2 in a kind of weird space Liberace role. Um <laughs> You've also got some uh, great people like John C. Riley, who's always great value. Um, uh, Peter Serenifinich. Uh, oh, Thank you very yeah. much. Um, Glenn Close. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Karen Gillan. Um, this is a really, really interesting um, cast. But they, but but Marvel, Marvel Disney, you know this this kind of mm. you know all under Joss Whedon's control have been pulling out the kind of people you wouldn't really expect to see in comic mm. book films. I mean, obviously Thor's had um, Anthony Hopkins as Odin and yeah. Captain America has got Robert Redford in it. And these are people who yeah. think these aren't people who are going to be in comic book films, are they? They're Kenneth Branagh, that, you know, direct yeah. first four film. I don't know if he done the second, mm. I can't remember. No, he but didn't. It was the guy from Game of Thrones. These, these are people you think, this isn't right. They don't yeah. comic book. They do serious stuff. They do proper films, not comic book films. And he's got the. And I think that's two reasons. The first one is th- these make a lot of money, although they don't necessarily pay a lot of money. I was reading just this evening about um, Chris Evans' deal for Captain America and the fact that he gets nothing uh, based on profit and he gets nothing from uh, merchandising. And a few other people have said that uh, actually the. Uh, the kind of Robert Downey Jr. esque deals are the are the um, exception rather than the rule with Marvel. <laughs> They're actually quite tight, but at the same time, it it does give these actors some great exposure. Um, and the other thing is as well, people are finally taking films like this quite seriously. Um, and 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 rightfully so, I think. If you if they're done properly then why why on earth aren't they being treated seriously? And a lot of people want to work with Joss Whedon and see him as a very, very smart guy, very good writer. Um, and people want to work with people like James Gunn. Like you say, people want to work with people like Kenneth Branagh and um, uh, Edgar Wright doing the Ant-Man movie and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a great time to be involved it, in Marvel, it, it full gives, stop. It gives you hope for what Disney plans to do with Star Wars as well, because I know they've got plans beyond just the three... Mm-hmm sequels yeah they've got plans to do a whole kind of star wars-esque universe with shows on netflix and films outside the central characters like marvel uh, like disney are doing with what you know what they're licensed for with marvel and if they can do it that well with with comic book heroes why can't they do it that well with with star wars with the excessive lens flare yes (laughs) And a lot of it does depend, actually, on who you've got in charge here. Mm. And I think Marvel have done well by getting Joss Whedon in from quite an early stage to kind of help mould that, he, he knows, um, that universe. He knows the subject matter and he and he knows and he's worked in that genre kind of. Before. And we've said this before. And there's a real difference now in the fact that um, comic book movies are being directed by people who grew up reading comic books and who respect the form and you know i i've not i'm not a huge comic book reader i'll be honest i think the only comic book film where i can say i've actually read the source material properly is watchmen because i read watchmen as a youngster and absolutely loved it but that was more in isolation um so i'm watching these as a film fan going i i love these films but on the whole comic book fans seem to be 
sold on them to an extent, uh, not with every single decision and every single film, but uh, on the whole, they seem to be accepted by the comic book community simply because the people in charge of them aren't people like your Joel Schumacher's or your Tim Burton's who are here for a quick payday um, or to do something interesting. Still remember Tim Burton saying that he'd never read. Uh, he, why would he bother to read yeah, any of Kevin Smith's Batman? Yeah. yeah why would I read a comic, comic book? book? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas these guys are people, you know, Zack Snyder, Edgar Wright, uh, Joss Whedon, James Gunn. These are people who grew up with comic books and actually genuinely respect the form. Um, and that, that's brilliant. And I think that's the other difference, actually, is that these people want to make great films out of comic books. They don't just want to turn up, make a film, move on, do something else. So, yeah, uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be it's the one that is probably the biggest risk for Marvel out of most of these because no one really... Guardians of the Galaxy hasn't got a huge mainstream no, fan base. It, it all... Although Iron Man didn't really when they made Iron Man. Would, would I be right in saying well, that? Iron, I, that... It, Iron Man was still very popular amongst comic book readers, okay. you know, Marvel fans. Guardians of the Galaxy is, is even... I mean, you, it is less popular with comic mm. book readers. Yeah. I know that yeah. um, some of the people I talk to about comics have never read any guardians of the galaxy stuff until they announced the film so yeah. it's yeah i mean it is a bit of um you know we'll see yeah. what happens with it really yeah, I, yeah. I, i've said from the start i think winter soldier will be the best of the phase two mm-hmm. novel i just thought yeah. there was something about the, the idea of um this espionage you know this thriller um that will make it probably the most entertaining the biggest and you know the boldest sort of film that they're going to do but it's, it's, you know guardians got, of the galaxy is probably the most um out there choice for them yeah to is, is guardians of the galaxy not technically the first film of phase three no it's not it's out before um yeah. avengers 2 but, but i don't think the guardians of the galaxy is scheduled to appear until avengers 3 Oh yeah, but the film itself—it's uh, already got bits from Thor two in it. It's definitely a phase. It's a phase two film. Well, well, whatever. <laughs> what's, what's your next film? Uh, my next film will be my my non-blockbuster that I'm also very excited about. The film that I'm most excited about that maybe isn't on everyone's radar, and that is Frank, um, the Lenny Abraham, uh, Abrahamson film, uh, starring. Michael Fassbender as Frank Sidebottom. Um, <laughs> and I still remember when this was announced and thinking that's an absolutely fucking ludicrous idea for a film. It's, it's written by John Ronson, the author John Ronson, who wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats, The Psychopath Test, uh, The Journalist, who I never realised this in his youth was in Frank Sidebottom's band. And it's based on his kind of early experiences of being in Frank Sidebottom's band. For those of for those listeners out there who don't know who Frank Sidebottom is, he was a Mancunian with an oversized papier-mâché head who appeared on various television programs and toured with a weird band in the uh, the 1980s, early 90s. I remember he used to be on number 73 a lot, uh, ITV's kind of Saturday morning program. Um, he had a weird high-pitched Mancunian voice, and legend has it he never took the head off in company. Um, now, the man who was Frank Sidebottom, um, 
he died uh, a few years back and then this film started to be around. now what i will say is this film is a reimagining it's it's kind of inspired by frank sidebottom because it transplants the story to america and it makes frank sidebottom uh part of an american indie band uh but brendan gleason uh, no sorry dom hall gleason who was in about time plays young john ronson who is invited into the band and as a youngster this is the most incredible time of his life he's playing i think bass maggie gyllenhaal is also in this band and it's about this band who are going nowhere um and the different creative forces in that band and what I love, the trailer is hilarious and just this idea that michael fassbender is going to spend the entire film in a papier-mâché head we're not going to have a uh, a, a Judge Dredd, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> moment where, like, ten minutes in, they do they decide to get rid of it. No, he he's playing Frank Sidebottom the entire film with a papier mache thing. And there's a great little bit. The trailer's out now, and it showed at Sundance earlier this year. Um, he's describing his face inside, so they know his emotions. He tells them what face he's pulling while he's inside his head. Um, and you hear him kind of making up these incredible songs, and it, it just looks utterly, utterly mental. But at the same time, exactly the kind of film that I am really, really excited about. It's a music film. It's a road movie. Um, it's got Fassbender in it. And it's also got Donald Glee, who I really liked in um, About Time. I'm a big fan of Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I, I, I'm just really, really excited about this film. And I, I just got the... Um, I just got the impression it's going to be one of those cult films that will live on for decades. And you... I, I really highly recommend going to see it in the cinema when you can. Okay, what's the film that you think is going to? Uh... Well, the film that I think is going to disappoint me. Um, I've, I've not. There's a few films out that may well get mentioned later on that uh, I think are going to be fucking dreadful. But I'm, I'm kind of. I've always expected the moment they were announced, I expected them to be dreadful. But there's one film that is actually out this weekend that I am really concerned is going to underwhelm me and disappoint me, and that is Muppets Most Wanted. Um, I've not heard good things, and I'm scared, because as you well remember, on the very first episode of this podcast, and we chose our Desert Island films, the films that we could happily watch every day for the rest of our lives, one of my choices was the Muppets movie, not long after seeing it in the cinema, and that choice still holds true today. I absolutely adore that original reboot of the Muppets film starring Jason Segel, Amy Adams, um, and the Muppets, and that was the important thing. Now, What is a Muppet? Uh, a Muppet is a, 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 a puppet from the Jim Henson it, studio. It's, it's not a brand quite movie. a mop, and it's not quite a puppet. Oh, I see. Right. Was that something I was meant to know? Sorry. I'm not. Do you know what? I'm not a massive actual Muppets geek. I know uh, uh, at Duke, um, one of our followers has been to see the film. I've not actually asked him what he thought about it yet. But he's a massive Muppets geek. Loves all the Muppets films. I have seen them in my youth and enjoyed them, but I wouldn't class myself as someone who is an uber Muppets fan. Uh, And I went to see the the most recent kind of reboot of it. Just because, actually, I heard Mark Commode say good things about it on the on his podcast, and I thought, you know, what, I'll go and see that. And the first half an hour was the most I've laughed in the cinema for a very, very long time. Um, it's got great little performances from Jason Segel, Amy Adams, but also um, the songs from Brett McKenzie from uh, from Flight of the Concords are utterly brilliant. Now, 
my concern is having seen the trailer and having heard things and read things about this film and that's cheating a little bit because um you know I'm, I'm doing this based on uh some prior knowledge in a sense but i i've got really deep concerns about this film and the waste of talent involved and the fact that ricky gervais potentially could annoy me like i thought he would and tina fey's wasted and and not even the songs are actually that great and it's spoiled by cameos and i'm just going to stop now because i'm going to see it this weekend and i really really hope i'm wrong about this but i think muppets most wanted could well be my most disappointing and underwhelming film of the year and that would really upset me i've been told by steve i'm not allowed to watch either because <laughs> you're because you're a joy kill because i'm a joy uh, kill yeah. Yeah, yeah i would probably yeah. come on here and go Meh, and i don't think steve could handle that yeah <laughs> right, do you know what what if i come on here and say that though, oh, steve that's going to really upset you you'll just dismiss it straight away <laughs> who i will no owen will oh owen yeah. will yeah but i want to love it and if it lets me down after wanting to love it that's not a great thing but who knows i could be surprised okay uh i'm gonna go on to my choice obviously we know my blockbuster choice as james picked it already my yeah. um non-blockbuster is going to be i've done pretty well recommending and um, comedies lately I've, you know, I don't think I've missed a mark lately of a comedy, so I'm going to go for another one. That's The Inbetweeners 2, which is out in August. It wasn't given much fanfare when it was kind of announced. It wasn't much I good. barely knew it was being made, yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, there wasn't much about it being made, but it's it's going to be out on the 6th of August, and they're going to be in Australia this time, doing what many young people do, travelling. The original cast is back. Uh, luckily, because I heard that the four girls they kind of met on holiday in the first movie were going to be involved in this one. They're not, so we're not going to have to have any focus on them. Not that, honestly, <laughs> no, not that, not that women characters are, are bad and things like that, but, you know, it takes away focus. The in-between is about those four. Yeah. Don't, you know, Simon, Neil, Jay, and Will, you don't want the focus taken away from them. If you had four more characters in there that are, would be now fairly central, they would take focus away and yeah. it would okay, fair enough, yeah. to an extent, but they're not, they're not going to be kind of involved. So it's just the four boys traveling in Australia. And so far, the pe- you know, it's all the same writers as well. They got the sitcom, yeah. right? With three series that was spot on, you know, looking if, as a comedy of people who are not cool, but not unpopular. They are in between us. Mm-hmm. The, the movie was very funny. And got pretty much spot on kind of the lads holiday culture and what happens on lads holiday. So I'm fairly certain this one will be just as good. Good. And no, no, I'll definitely go and see it. I, I, I will say I almost I nearly went for a comedy for my non-blockbuster, but that would have been Twenty Two Jump Street, which I'm really excited about. But and yeah, in between is a nice choice, Steve. And um. The film I'm, I'm worried about is uh, Pudsey the Dog, the movie. From, uh, <laughs> from uh, obviously, obviously not. Um, I don't know why that's happened. I don't know what it's about. There's it's also. A, a, um, I saw a trailer for it the other day. I actually saw a trailer for it, and I thought, oh, that's not a joke. That's real. Oh God. It's not uh, the Mrs. Brown Boys movie or Mrs. Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> Again, another one. I'm like that. That's a thing. Oh God. Uh, it is. 
the Godzilla remake reboot. Ooh, controversial. Even though the trailer looks quite good, I just think it's gonna. I just think it's gonna fall short. I think it's gonna be kind of a, a below par Pacific Rim. I think Pacific Rim kind of. Stuff. Whoa! No, <laughs> don't say that. I really was disappointed. I I I can't imagine. I see. To me, it's the thinking man's Pacific Rim. That's what I'm hoping it is. I think it's gonna fall short. I think it's gonna. Whoa. I don't know why. I've got no real substance for that. <laughs> I just think <laughs> just a hunch. I just think it's gonna gonna be disappointing. Wow. Um, I'm quite looking forward to it. I think from the trailer, I know we've only had like teaser trailers so far. Um, mm. They've made me quite excited about it. Yeah. I think it looks good. That's they've got the sound right, so cast yeah. are good. The, the only problem I have with it is the choice of director, who I'm not sure whether he'll be good or not. He's got did um, Monster or Monsters mm. rather. Yeah. Which was just a meandering, boring pile of tosh. But you know, Godzilla's got a bit more substance to it, so you know, maybe maybe it'll be quite good. I don't know. It seems it seems it, to have a it, lot it's of got, It's got to be better than the uh, the the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick for a start. Oh God, yes. <laughs> There's no Jamir- I've not heard no Jamiroquai uh, on the trailer, <laughs> so that's that's a that's a bonus. Yeah. Okay, and um, Owen, your your three. My three. Okay. Well, in preparation for this, I had a look at what I picked last year, um, and the previews I picked for last summer were the Evil Dead remake. Mm. Just so I thought it might be quite interesting, and it turned out to be yeah. okay. Um, the final part in the Cornetto trilogy, which is the World's End, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed as well, and yep. uh, the Alan Partridge movie, Alpha Papa, oh. which was brilliant. Yeah. So. You know, I'm fingers crossed it's the same sort of quality again this year. So uh, I'm, uh, to try and fit into James's um, criteria, my pick for the most anticipated blockbuster, uh, I'm going with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, just on the point on Godzilla as well, I'm not sure about the director for this, uh, who's Matt Reeves, because uh, mm. I wasn't especially keen on Cloverfield. There was yes. certain elements to that I, I didn't enjoy at all. Um but given how uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes surpassed my already high expectations and how the sequel was set up perfectly towards the end of that film, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite confident that I'm going to enjoy Dawn of the Planet of the Apes uh, probably quite a lot as well. I'm a big fan of the series. Everything apart from Tim Burton's film um, has been quite enjoyable on different levels. Uh, and the fact they've got Andy Serkis back again as Caesar, who is the leader of the ape mm-hmm. revolution, Plus Gary Oldman, who's always good value. You know, I really hope it's going to be as good as the potential it, it, it has, because I think it could be excellent. Um, the story, I'm guessing, is going to take a similar shape to uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, um, a bit like the, the previous one, Rise. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter. If they go off in a completely new direction, then that will probably be a benefit to the series anyway. Um, mm. But you know, it's. I'm sure it'll be great, won't it? Really? Actually, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I think. No, I'm sure. So um, yeah. my most anticipated non-blockbuster was quite a tough choice actually, um, but in the end, I went with the double, which is Richard Oyewide's mm. adaptation of yeah. Dostoevsky story, starring Jesse Eisenberg as uh, both a chap who is living pretty humdrum existence. Uh, until his doppelganger turns up. And I wasn't 
keen on the uh, idea of the film to begin with, but then it was your review, James, from the Glasgow Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Got me a little bit more intrigued by it. Oh, good. And then uh, I've since then I've seen the, the trailer rather than just mm-hmm. sort of heard bits and bobs about it, and I've heard quite a few more positive reviews. And now I'm actually quite looking forward to it. It sounds really interesting, and I think it could be quite entertaining. Um, yeah. It was my favourite film of Glasgow Film Festival this year. Um, yeah. Out of about ten or so that I saw, I really enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg. Brilliant value. Mm. Um, and actually, it was this film that had converted me to him playing Lex Luthor in the Batman yeah. Superman. Because um, I actually saw him, you know, huge range, uh, the confidence, but also the the nervousness. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, really, really, and I think it is very entertaining and it's very funny. And it was only after I watched the double that I finally got around to watching Submarine, and I'm really starting to like Richard Iwadi's, um visual style and actually just his his pure directorial style as well so now I'm, gl- I'm glad you're excited about that because i think you're right to be yeah well it's you know it, it looks like quite a good 90 minute comedy drama with mm. you know some really good performances so yeah hopefully it's um it's as you described it and if so then then brilliant um but the film i've picked as my most likely to disappoint is the upcoming arnie film sabotage Oh, oh no! From what I've seen and read, it looks like a NAF um, or NAFA version of the Expendables, and I liked Expendables too when we re- reviewed mm-hmm. it back in 2012, whenever it was that year. Um, and I think Arnie's kind of been on a decent. He's had a decent set of films since he's started his comeback. You know, The Last Stand mm. was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Escape Plan was so-so, but you know he was quite good in that actually. Uh, sabotage however looks like a step too far back into the old 80s action hero that he once was and i think with something like the last stand it was quite knowing in the way that he was an aging sheriff of a quiet little town um you know too old for this shit kind of thing you know and then he you know he shouldn't be firing bazookas and leaping out of helicopters or whatever is going to be happening in sabotage just appreciate you're not <laughs> he's not the 30 something year old ripped muscly man anymore he's he's older he's he's on it you know he's the guy who was the governor of california he's not he's not duke or uh, he's not not duke sorry that's john wayne isn't he? he's not matrix from commando anymore mm-hmm. you know it, i don't know he's um it, the film looks a bit dodgy as well i think you can be big and bold with it going over the top like with the stunts that this seems to yeah. do. Um, but like I said, I've only seen little bits of it anyway. But you know, And I say all this kind of regrettably, because I want Schwarzenegger to mm. have a successful comeback, uh, yeah. as much as the next man does, but I just don't see it happening with Sabotage. That is really interesting that we've all gone for um, films that we actually genuinely want to do well, but we're, we're concerned, mm. rather than just going, well, Transformers 4 is going to be shite, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to be terrible and things like that. Yeah. So I thought I'd find that quite interesting. And uh, and I noticed yeah, as well, films to look out for there. none of us have picked uh, The Raid 2. No, I didn't know how to categorise it, to be honest. Yeah. I, it was, it's an odd one, because I don't think it is a blockbuster, no. but I felt a bit weird putting it in the kind of like one-to-watch thing, because yeah. surely everyone's excited about The Raid. So it's, a, it's an odd one. Plus also, it's nearly here. In fact, you're seeing it next Monday. I'm seeing it on you? Monday, yes. Very excited yeah. about that. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, yeah, let's just get it right. I think the raid two is going to be fucking incredible, mm. and uh, I have I have very high hopes that's going to be in my top ten list come the end of the year. We had a few suggestions from Twitter as well. We oh, good, on. did we? Excellent. Um, my mate Paul at Pasta, uh, yeah, has tweeted us. He said he's hoping Sin City is going to be. He said it's going to be Aces. Um, the return of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will stick in the place out though, yeah. which I think is fair. I think Sin City was quite an underrated film. I enjoyed Sin yeah. City a lot more than I thought it would actually, yeah. despite the fact that it's clearly written by an absolute misogynist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Frank Miller I lo- is. I, lo- I, I yeah. still quite like. I still quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had Matt Matt Lamborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, "Give me some Gojira." So Godzilla, uh, obviously. Godzilla, yeah. yeah. So at least we've got I one know. person on the team who's quite <laughs> quite. So I know he's he's actually like traveling the seas to go and watch Godzilla yeah. because it won't open in Isle of Man as well. he wants to watch it in an IMAX I think doesn't he yeah. and I don't blame him no, me neither um, the, yeah the other suggestion I mean I just had uh, I sent a tweet out saying you know tell us what you're excited about and yeah. at Shorky another at Shorky 1969 yeah. tweeted us back and said everything so he's just oh, bless. excited about everything yeah, that, so, as Mike but excited think... about everything they're, they'll all get three and a half stars <laughs> sorted yeah but it's I think it's actually quite a good point because it, it does seem like it's going to be a good year i think especially for those I, blockbusters. I was chatting to another one of our listeners and contributors at duke the other day actually in person because we went to a football match together um but we both said uh, we like picked our top three and top five from the year so far and went I, I can't see them not being in the top 10 at the end of the year and we're only in march mm. and you know I'm really excited about this year uh, because I've seen some films that I've absolutely adored already, and I'm already I'm already thinking forward to my end of year voting, thinking, God, some of these are going to miss out. How? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited, yeah. and I think it's a good summer. And like I said, there's not too many stinkers. There's not too many absolute stinkers out there, and the ones that I'm excited about, I've got a lot of confidence in. So I, I think this is going to be a good year. Yes. Um, let's go quickly into our recommendations then for um, for next week. I'm going to start off with television. Sunday afternoon, half past five, Channel 4, Home Alone. No, <laughs> oh, classic. Even though it's March. Uh, I might have to might have to tape it and save right. it for what well, I'm probably, saying. Probably, I cle- I've clearly got it on I've DVD. Got a problem with that one? Film four, uh, five, it's a Christmas film. film That's all Film I'm four, five to seven, Free Man and the Baby. <laughs> There we go. There you go. Uh, James? Uh, I'm going for a Netflix US one, actually, this week. uh, And the Oscar-winning documentary and good fun uh, music documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom, is now available to watch on Netflix US. And I'd I'd definitely recommend watching it because although I'm still a little bit sore at the fact that um, it beat the act of killing to the best documentary Oscar, which I think is a ludicrous decision. In its own right, it's actually a really entertaining documentary. In the spirit, I think, of something like Searching for Sugar Man. It's a, a nice, it's a documentary about great music that will, that will inspire you and make you feel good. So spend 90 minutes with that, definitely. Excellent. And Owen? Um, I'm recommending this a little bit blind actually because i haven't seen it yet and it's not even out in the uk but snowpiercer it comes out mm-hmm. on dvd in france 
and Blu-ray on the that second That is our most niche recommendation. It's the most niche recommendation you're ever going to get. You've got to buy it from France. I'm buying it from France. <laughs> it's costing me 25 quid to see it, so it better bloody be worth it. But, bloody um, but I'm really excited about it, and I can't, I can't wait. It's really annoying that it's not getting a UK release in... Well, it's not even suggested that it's going to get one in the near future. Otherwise, that probably would have made it onto my summer preview list. But um, yes, Snowpiercer, yeah, comes out on DVD and Blu-ray in France. Amazon.fr are selling it. So, you know what? Okay. I'm picking that. I'm just picking that blind. I know a lot of people who I trust have, have reviewed it quite positively. So, I'm there. I'm being very niche to that one, I think. Excellent. Um, so, yes, um, thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Uh, that's the end of the podcast for this week. Next week, we'll be back. Possibly at a slightly different time to usual, but with reviews of uh, the new Captain America and the new Muppets film, um, among other things. Um, so like I said, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who's contributed. And we'll uh, see you soon. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics.